0: Welcome to Rex Factor!
1: This week, Malcolm the Four!
0: With your hosts, Graham Duke and Ali Urban.
1: Hello, and uh, welcome to Rex Factor reviewing all the kings and queens of Scots, from Kenneth McAlpin to James the Sixth. This week, as you heard a moment ago, <laughs> can you still remember? Uh, well, I'm looking at three of them
0: here, so I reckon it's <laughs> the fourth.
1: Well, um, so it's Malcolm the Fourth. It's the fourth and final Malcolm. Oh no! So we'll be bid, uh, bidding farewell to that name. They've and been the, good uh, Scottish kingship. Um, in terms of his relevant backgroundiness, I think really now we just need uh, to recap quickly on our last episode, David the First. Okay, David uh, had a very successful reign. Initially, he was a protege of King Henry the First of England. Yep, um, but then he took advantage of the anarchy or the civil war in England between mm. Stephen and Matilda, and uh, he occupied Northumbria. Cumbria, went all the way down into Lancashire, and even northern Yorkshire, taking lots Mm. of territory up and just taking it as Scotland. Um, And he also had these far-reaching reforms in church and in state, very successful ruler, all looking good for Scotland, but then in 1152, his only son, Henry, died. Uh, how did you die? Not lampreys again, was it? Uh, just, uh, just illness. Oh, just joke. old illness. Yeah. Um, consequently, rather than his um, adult, highly respected soldier and noble, Henry, succeeding mm. him, he had to look to a grandson, who was much younger, to take over the throne. But, we're no
0: longer doing this nonsense of Mal- um, David's brother
1: taking it no although of course David was the sixth uh, of yeah. his uh, immediate <laughs> siblings so there were no more brothers to hand it over to oh g- true yeah he was the last and final so this but it, you said it like as if uh, primogeniture was was the plan now mm. so they are going to start doing what a previous Malcolm was it Malcolm II tried to do Malcolm II tried to do it and um, so it's yes yeah, so primogeniture is the plan but we are still yet to have oh. a father to son succession in Scotland right <laughs> Instead, we have Malcolm the Fourth. Sorry, is that so? We actually haven't had that happen properly yet. No, we have had a father and a son both be king, but it's not gone directly from the father oh. to the son. There's always been someone else that's, that's come in. Shocking, yeah. <laughs> Rex Facts. Rex <laughs> fact. <laughs> um So, Malcolm the Fourth, this week's mm. king, is the son of said Henry, um, who is the Earl of Huntingdon and Northumberland, and also uh, Ada de Warren. Um, so a sort of Norman lady.
0: I remember lady. him because the Huntingdon thing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh,
1: so he's the grandson of his predecessor, David yeah. I. So we've skipped a generation. So it's a bit like Edward III and Richard yeah. II. We had the Black Prince dying before the king, so it skips a generation.
0: Oh, what could have been?
1: Indeed. Now, we actually do, again, have a contemporary image of uh, Malcolm IV, possibly his first what? one, which is properly actually contemporary, but... It's only small and little, and so we will, as ever, first turn to oh. the Heritage Playing Card Limited edition. Phew! Now, as Ali said at the start, I've laid out for him the three previous Malcolms, because I think they've all got a certain... Uh, Malcominess? Malcominess, yeah. How What's would you describe... What's the to
0: for a group of Malcolms? A group of
1: Malcolms, uh, Here, I'd say it was a beard of Malcolms. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping, underneath this blue sheet, we have another Malcolm with another fine beard um but so certainly here yeah they're bearded mostly warrior like apart from good old Malcolm II with a nice script in his hand the kill list the kill list yeah I forgot about him yeah. oh he was the psychopath <laughs> yes he was yeah. um uh
1: yeah pretty violent I'd say on the whole Malcolm's mm. all very warry so how will Malcolm the Fourth compare and
0: uh, we have uh oh my <laughs> word so I, I. This sounds set up, but I wasn't expecting that. We've got what looks like an extra from Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, with his cloak, and a nice
1: purple cloak.
0: Mm. Oh, he's called Malcolm the Fourth. Brackets the maiden. Mm. That
1: can't be good. Is he uh, bearded? He
0: is smoother cheek like a baby's behind. I mean, it's not going to go well, Graham. He's called the Maiden, he looks about 12 years old, no sign of any um, sword, but he does have his hand held very delicately to his <laughs> chest, as if to say, oh, mercy me. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, is is hidden by the cloak, but we can only presume, I'm
1: doing it now, is held on his hip with a cocked knee. We've basically got um, a sort of 1970s yeah. Kenneth Williams. Yeah. It's are
0: you being served? Yeah. Are you being served? (laughs) It's what we've got going on here. That is definitely the last time I ever do the accent. of Promise. (laughs) To put it in one word,
1: camp. Camp. It's Camp David. Oh, it's not David. Oh, Oh, what a a a (laughs) loss. Now, this is the uh, contemporary uh, depiction, which you'll have to get close up to see. It's only little. So this is the same one we had last week, where on the left-hand side we've got David, the first, but it was actually produced in Malcolm's reign in 1159, so on the right we have Malcolm. It's, again, not flattering, is it?
0: I thought that might have been a king and queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, it's, I don't mean to be disparaging, I, haven't, I haven't, don't know anything about this person no. yet, so he might be... He might confound all my uh, assumptions, but I think they're painting him in a negative light there, Mm. it
1: seems. Well, I mean, I think he's, um, if David is looking old and venerable and perhaps reddled into the biblical Mm. David, then I think Malcolm is perhaps intended to be the young sort of Solomon coming along, all fresh-faced and... Yeah, then, okay. Good. Now, you said he looked about 12 years old in the card. He's born in, on the 23rd of April, 1141. We know exactly when he was born. <laughs> Eleven forty. Oh, I thought you meant the time. No, no, no. You said exactly. But so, when he becomes king in 1153, he is, indeed, 12 years old. No way. So, well done, the Heritage well Playing Cards yeah. Limited uh, depiction. Let's hope that that's the only accuracy. Now, he is the last... Scottish King who actually has a Scottish name so Malcolm's very Scottish name but thereafter they are all of sort of Norman or English extracts Oh yeah. from there on in no more Scottish names after Malcolm IV
0: hmm well that's a shame
1: Now, you've hit upon, uh, of course, the maiden epithet, and Mm. it's clear what aspect of that the uh, card um, designer has gone for.
0: I'm treading very carefully here, about as carefully as
1: they're implying he's treading. (laughs) Indeed. The nickname wasn't used before the 15th century, but he did have a very early reputation for chastity. Oh. So it's probably more about celibacy, the nickname, rather than him being effeminate. Right. Um, So uh, the... Card creator, perhaps a little less politically correct was mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the case, um, but he's also probably the first one that was known as Canmore. So he had Malcolm the Third, who is sometimes nicknamed Canmore, Kianmore. Oh, yes, was initially for him thought to be like Great Chief, right. Big Head, yeah. <laughs> but actually it probably refers to this Malcolm originally, and the fact that he may have had uh, Paget's disease. What's that? So it involves sort of enf- uh, enlarged and slightly deformed, either sort of bones or muscles. Oh, dear. And head sometimes sort of an oddly large.
0: Oh, head. so it could actually be big head. Literally, I, yeah. I take
1: back my snort. No, literally could uh, could be big but head. But he doesn't have a big head at all. Not in this depiction, no, but uh, they've gone for obviously the maiden nickname rather <laughs> than cannibal. Mm, yeah. Uh, but ill health, therefore, is something oh, we might expect. Okay. So ill health and uh, chastity. <laughs> Um, as we said, David had this wonderful succession plan to his um, adult son, who was yeah. a very capable man. He was a, uh, respected as a soldier, respected as a man ruling territory. Mm. But then he dies, and it's all up in the air. So instead, he has to quite quickly, because he himself is basically at the end of his uh, mortal call at this point, mm. David has to ensure that his... Grandson, who's only 11 going on 12 years old, will be able to succeed. So what he does is he puts him into the care of the Earl of Fife. So he takes uh, Malcolm around Scotland with an army so that he can be proclaimed heir to everybody else in the country. Meanwhile, David took um, Malcolm's younger brother, William, to be acclaimed as Earl of Northumbria. Okay. So that's the plan. And to be fair, when David dies in 1153, um, this is actually the first time in Scotland that we've been able to have a minor come to the throne
0: yes yeah because it would all just have been polished off by it, his namesake I exactly
1: guess. Um, but there's quite a lot going against him um, the Earl of Fife perhaps was meant to be regent but he himself dies a year later in 1154 oh dear so we have no firm record of an actual regency but there are powerful nobles at court particularly Walter FitzAlan, who is a steward of Scotland okay and ancestor to the Stuart dynasty oh right Stuart. steward mm. Uh, now, Malcolm was crowned just three days after David died at Schoon, which is quite quick for a turnaround. Yeah, but I suppose it was quite, quite rocky, wasn't exactly. it? Exactly, so they probably wanted to get it done, because he does have rather a lot of people in Scotland who are quite powerful and not entirely loyal. Yes. Here's a list. <laughs> we have the MacHeths. Right, um, who are demanding the restoration of the earldom of ross which was taken away by one of their number by david mm. we have the mac williams mm. so these are the sons of uh, william fitz duncan so descendants of duncan the second oh yeah former king yeah, and yeah. thus have a claim to the throne we have the mac alexander's Descended Who? from the illegitimate son of Alexander the First. Oh dear, this is not looking good. And also in the southwest of Scotland, we've got Fergus, the Lord of Galloway, yeah. and Summerled, uh, the Lord of Argyll. Um, so these two, Galloway and the uh, Scottish Isles, perhaps are sort of nominally under Scottish overlordship, but in re- reality, they kind of do what they want. And with a young boy as king, oh, that they're, they're looking to. This
0: is not good.
1: This is not good at all. Sure enough, in 1153, Summerled, who rather inconveniently um, is actually related to the Mac Alexanders, Mm. the illegitimate descendants of Alexander, so he's the nephew of these chaps, they launch a rebellion. So this is basically as soon as Malcolm comes to the oh throne yeah, They start to rebel So
0: well, he was crowned three days after the death And they yes. just
1: went, right, yeah. let's just sort this out Let's have this mm. Thankfully for Malcolm though uh, Summerled gets rather distracted by a conflict With one of his rivals in the Isle of Man mm. So he's trying to shore his position up To effectively rule all of the Western Isles yeah, All the stuff around Scotland So he kind of goes off and does that It all kind of fizzles out Yeah, Peace is eventually made um, and also, Donald the So these one. are the ones of the Earldom of Ross, Donald was captured at Whithorn and then imprisoned at Roxburgh, so Malcolm, or whoever is in charge at this point, reconciles with this family and restores them to the Earldom of Ross.
0: Okay, so so when you say he was arrested, he did have some, this young Malcolm did have some allies who were helping him. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's one thing dealt with. Good. And he can feel a little bit safer now. Summerled has probably made peace with him as well. He's got the Eldom of Ross sorted out. Unfortunately for Malcolm IV, however, he can't really rest on his laurels at this point because there's someone far more powerful than basically all of these put together. In England, England yeah. we have the accession of Henry II. Uh oh. Uh-oh. So a quick bit of backgroundy stuff. As we said at the start, we had the Anarchy, which was a civil war between Empress Matilda, who was the daughter and only legitimate child of Henry I, mm. and her cousin, King Stephen. So they were fighting it out between themselves. England is split, really, really weakened, and it's with this opportunity that David exploits and takes lots of territory from them. Mm. However, in 1154, Stephen, having lost his son and heir, Eustace, makes a deal with Henry II, agrees to recognise him as his heir. So Henry II becomes King of England in 1154. Now, Henry II is the son of the Empress Matilda, mm. so the grandson of Henry I.
0: Mm.
1: He's also the son of Geoffrey of Anjou, mm-hmm. so he's got all of that sort of the territory left. over in France, but of the left, but he marries Eleanor of Aquitaine. Yeah. And through her and his father and his mother and all of this, he basically owns a lot of the left, as we call it, of France. And he's now King of England. And he's, unlike Stephen, he is both very, very strong, vigorous, capable, and he's got big ambitions. It is a bad
0: time... To be someone called Malcolm the Maiden in Scotland. (laughs) It is indeed. I mean, spoiler alert, Henry II does rather well.
1: Yes, one of our uh, better kings, Mm -hmm. I think it's fair to say, from the first series. He very quickly re-establishes control in England. He reasserts his authority over everybody. And then he looks north. Uh (laughs) Da, da, da. <laughs> wherever that gaze goes surely just the opponents wither yeah now the problem was that during the anarchy David the first had taken quite a lot of territory that was formerly English oh, of course so he's residing in Carlisle he's taken over quite a bit of Northumbria particularly sort of Newcastle Walk and mm. annick and other places and he come all the way down into Lancashire now in 1149 Henry the second before he became king was actually knighted by David the first and he made a ...promise that if he became king, he would recognise his territory as belonging to Scotland. What, the Northern Territories?
0: Yes. Or the Southern Territories of the Scots?
1: Yes, exactly. However, now that he is king, and David I isn't there anymore and has been replaced by a young boy... ...Henry II rather changes his mind. Yeah, they love a little loophole, don't they, these kings? 1157, Henry called Malcolm to have a meeting with him at Chester. Mm. And at this meeting, Malcolm paid homage... Gave up Cumbria, Northumbria, <laughs> and all the territories gained. <laughs> and uh, in return for this, he was restored to the honour of Huntingdon, and his brother William, who had been Earl of Northumberland, was given the lordship of uh, Tyndale.
0: Which sounds less good.
1: Less good. So basically, in an instant, without even needing to fight or to yeah. bring an army, Henry II has just said, right, here's the deal. I'm having all of this back, and in return... In return, you live. Yes, basically It's a good deal It's a good deal Malcolm takes it Mm. 1158, Henry starts re-fortifying the border And all those castles that had fallen to Scotland He's now put them back under his own control He calls for another meeting with Malcolm Oh God, his knees must have been shaking, quaking At Carlisle, which of course formerly had been David's residence um, in his new kingdom But it's now back with England But it didn't go very well and they parted on bad terms and Malcolm was uh, not knighted by Henry II, which apparently he'd been rather hoping for.
0: That's an error, I'd say. I mean, I wonder mm-hmm. how they parted on... Do we know what was
1: said or anything? We don't know what was said. However, a year later, in 1159, Malcolm gets a chance to uh, get himself back in his good books. Yeah. Henry uh, launches a campaign to gain some French territory in Toulouse, which he thought was owed to, uh, to Eleanor. And uh, he called various people to join his army, including Malcolm the Fourth and his brother William. Mm. So they pop over to France and join Henry's army. Okay, how do they do? Well, it's not a particularly successful campaign, largely because the King of France decides to get involved and Henry... has got beef with him, hasn't he? Yeah. However, Malcolm does get knighted by yeah. Henry. So he gets that. Okay. Exactly. Unfortunately, when he comes back in 1160... His participation was not particularly popular with his Scottish earls. Didn't like the fact that he's gone over to France and fighting for the King of England.
0: What would happen if uh, Malcolm mm. granted the King of England some estates in Scotland <laughs> and then called on the King of England as a vassal of his to fight in some of his wars? Try shifting the balance of power a bit. I mean, I'd
1: personally... Yeah? Yeah. I wouldn't try that with Henry the <laughs> Second. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Go. I think probably he'd just take the territory and, um... Yeah. Go. Say thanks very much. <laughs> go sorry, <home. laughs> Sorry. Say thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's the old wasp with jam job, isn't it? So, when Malcolm comes back, he's actually besieged in his own castle at Perth Castle by six of his own earls who are very unhappy with It's back to the old bad ways. Um, thankfully, the clergy come along to mediate a resolution, mm. and Malcolm's able to leave the castle. But it's possible that what they may have been particularly perturbed by was that there were border raids by Fergus of Galloway coming into Scotland. So maybe there was a sense that Malcolm was neglecting his kingdom right. and the other people that are hmm. sort of powerful in the area actually taking advantage. In response, Malcolm launches three military expeditions into Galloway and uh, he defeats Fergus. Captures his son and then Fergus retires and becomes a monk. That's surprising a uh, little spark of battliness there. Indeed. Then at Christmas court that year held again at Perth there's a clear reconciliation in Scotland. It's very well attended by all of his nobles, all of his bishops, even Summerled Oh right. Who apparently is now King of the Isles. So oh. He, he has established go, it, himself, okay. has yeah. actually established a kingdom there. But the rebellions aren't gonna stop there. Mm. We have a bit of an uprising in Murray, mm. may have been linked to the MacWilliams, so these are the descendants of Duncan the Second, because mm. William Fitz Duncan had possibly been made Earl of Murray and married a princess. So his descendants would therefore be linked to the Scottish throne and the old that, Murray chaps. Yeah, that old troublesome territory. But this seems to have been put down without too much bother. Oh, that nice. And then 1164, much more serious, a fourth rebellion, this time led by Summerled. Oh,
0: I thought they'd patched it up.
1: No, he's back. Oh. He's back on his uppers. He's like the Iron Isles chap. Yeah. still out there <laughs> in the Western Isles. But he is defeated by the Scots.
0: Blimey, Bill, I did not think, when you showed me that card... <laughs> So
1: we'd have even an ounce of success here. And Somerled is killed. Woo. Proper, proper proper, stuff. So Malcolm now has dominance within Scotland. Mm. He continues the work of uh, David with church patronage and feudalism and sort of the reforms in governance. And he also makes marriage alliances for his sisters with uh, the counts of Brittany and Holland. Okay. Perhaps Malcolm's trying to get some friends mm. on the continent to mm. maybe give him a bit of a bulwark against yeah. Henry II. I like this a lot. Hmm. In 1163, Henry demands that Malcolm come to pay him homage at Woodstock.
0: Not the festival.
1: Not the festival. Um, Although it probably was quite a number of festivities that Henry would put on. Um, Once again, Malcolm has to do homage to Henry. um, But he has to go even further this time. He gives over his youngest brother, David, as a hostage, as well as various other young noblemen. So clearly Henry II doesn't like these marriage alliances. So he's popped back over and very much made it clear who is boss. And he's coming fairly south there as well, isn't he, with Woodstock? He's gradually... Where is Woodstock? You know, I don't actually know. I kind of want to say sorry, but I don't know if that's true.
0: Well, if you're from Woodstock, (laughs) and you can take time out from uh, all your hippie ways, (laughs) write in and let us know where you are. Planet Earth, man!
1: So that's not so good for him, and um, we mentioned about the Canmore, the Paget's disease. In 1163, either on the way up or the way down, he falls very ill at Doncaster. He doesn't die at this point, but it's serious enough to warranted mention from the chroniclers. There's still some evidence of him travelling after this, but he's probably increasingly an invalid. Not able to do quite as much.
0: I've discovered that I always know when the king is going to die in Rex Factor. Uh-huh. You know, you like when you turn on the news <laughs> yes. and they say,
1: <laughs> The tone. <laughs> the,
0: the actor and popular television personality. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: the way you say it, I know now. Um, and he's doing quite a bit of religious patronage in this period, perhaps suggesting that he knew that he was on borrowed yeah. time and he wanted to oh. uh, make amends. And then apparently um, two comets were seen in the sky, one in the north and one in the south. And uh, John of Forden, I borrowed, I think, from the Chronicle of Melrose, explains exactly what a comet means. I'd like to hear his education on this. A comet is a star which appears, not at all times, but chiefly against a king's death or a country's downfall. When it appears with a shining diadem of hair, it heralds a king's death. But if scattered with tresses glowing red, it forebodes a country's downfall. Which one do we get? We get the Shining Diadem of Hair. Oh, no, that means he's going to die. In 1165, on the 9th of December, he was planning a pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela, perhaps hoping to get some kind of miracle cure. Package deal. But he never makes the journey, and Malcolm IV dies at the age of 24.
0: He packed a lot in. Hmm. In some short years. Busy time. I have to say, well, we'll go through it, but I really like
1: it. Hmm. I really like it. Well, it's looking good so far, but mm. how's it going to stack up when we look at it in more detail?
0: Batterliness!
1: So, we've got those four rebellions, all of which are put down. Yeah. Now, uh, the most powerful chap in all of this is Summerled. It's
0: such an interesting name, Summerled. I've got yeah. a friend called Summerlad. I wonder if his derivation is uh, quite it's fair, ginger hair.
1: Yes, yeah, so the origins of him um, aren't entirely known. He's, initially, he was thought to be largely a Viking. Oh. But he's now maybe thought to be a sort of Scottish, Vikingy crossbreed. <laughs> <laughs> I said
0: they have been there so long on those isles.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Initially, the Lord of Argyll, but as I said, he's competing for dominance on mm. that sort of western seaboard. And he ultimately becomes king of the isles. So he's a very powerful chap.
0: And it's interesting that he was trying to have um, the western isles as a distinct kingdom. Mm. So used to just knowing
1: where the borders are now. But I
0: suppose it sort of makes sense. There yeah. are a whole cluster there that mm. could... And, and that's where of course thing? where
1: the Vikings have come and yeah. all sort of territory. So culturally probably a bit Yeah, different. and Dublin and yeah. a bit of Ireland of course further over the sea. Yeah. Mm. That's an RTO. indeed. Allegedly he apparently invented the hinged rudder.
0: Like a uh, so You what? so you can on a, on a pin so mm. it can turn. Yeah. What did they have before? Just Oh, I suppose on the um on the Golden Hind in London, mm. apparently Drake just had, like, a long pole in the water. Mm. Seems long time afterwards that they have yeah, stuck <laughs> with this. Yeah.
1: So this probably gives them an advantage, because of a lot of sea battles, obviously, mm. going from Isle to Arno. Yeah. Uh, Berlin's, I think, the name of the boats. Oh, OK. He has a special boat. But he probably sees Malcolm's accession as a child, as a chance to dominate Scotland. Yeah. But he doesn't succeed. We had that 1153 um, rebellion, where he allies with his nephews and Mac Alexander's, It didn't seem to go anywhere, and he got distracted and had to make peace. And then 1164 was perhaps the biggest threat, was when Somerlade really launched a big old invasion. Apparently something like 15,000 men that he gathered from all over the Isles, and uh, 160 ships which he launched. Gosh. So Malcolm knew it was coming. I think had launched um, a bit of a raid on the Scottish coast. Malcolm demanded that he um, paid him homage or have his lands taken away from him. So when Somerlade ignores this, Malcolm is gathering an army. But Summerled tries to give a bit of a preemptive strike. Mm. However, he is uh, set upon by a local force raised by a chap called Herbert, the Bishop of Glasgow.
0: Well, then, so Summerled is? Yeah, right, so okay. the Bishop
1: of Glasgow raises a local force yeah. to face the uh, oncoming army. Probably a much smaller force, but it is successful in defeating Summerled. Summerled gets struck by a spear in his thigh finished off with a sword, and then he has his head cut off, which is handed over to the Bishop of Glasgow. And he appreciates this, or as a good Christian man, he says, yeah? No, he seems to be quite happy about uh, it. Okay. It was divine uh, <laughs> acclamation of okay. his success. 1160, we had the nobles upset about Malcolm going off to Toulouse, but then he launches those three campaigns uh, into Galloway, yeah. and is very successful. So as I say, Galloway, probably we have got the Norse Vikings that settle on the West Coast. Intermarried with the local Scots, so you have the the Giles, the Scots, and then the foreigners who are the sort of Gaiteil. So you kind of combine the two, um, and it ends up becoming sort of Galhail. Right. And ultimately, that's Galloway in effect. Oh the right. Scots and the foreigners, i.e. the Vikings. Hmm. So nominally they're under the Scottish lordship, but largely just do whatever they like. Fergus, perhaps under the thumb of Summerled. Mm. is looking to increase his dominance, in raiding into south. Scotland. But it doesn't go well for him. His uh, son is captured. He does penance and becomes a monk in Holyrood.
0: Yeah, is that like his get-out clause? He says, look, I am promised. don't kill me because <laughs> I'll become a monk and then I can't do anything.
1: Exactly. Is that the idea? Yeah. All right. And Malcolm now has established Scottish proper dominance over Galloway. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but like Murray, it's not the... Um, the end of Galloway Being problematic But it's quite a big step And quite a big yeah, achievement For Malcolm A
0: big area Now under the heel
1: Yeah So at the end of all this Malcolm starts off As a child king But we've seen off Four rebellions And all these powerful rivals Particularly Summerled, Yeah Been dealt with And a whole area mm. Sorted and we see he's got a bit of a policy trying to get his independence back from Henry mm. II with those marriage alliances. So it's his sister Margaret marrying Conan IV, the Duke of Brittany, in 1160, and then Ada marrying Florence, the Count of Holland, in 1161. Florence in Holland, um, they're actually linked to the Holy Roman Empire and Frederick Barbarossa. Well, quite powerful. So he's yeah. trying to link himself in mm. with an alternative yeah. to Henry there. Yeah. So, you know, we can see the beginnings of something.
0: I like, yeah, that's very, very good. I mean, I think it was, um, we'll get on to um, uh, wimpish ways in a mo, but I just think he took advantage where he could. You know, it was obvious that he couldn't have hung on to those Latins, hmm. but where where he could make a
1: difference, he did rather well. Well, let's, let's do a bit of wimpiness yeah. now. First of all, when he takes over in 1153, he's 12 years old. Mm. At least that first rebellion There's no way that he's actually doing anything there He must be too young It's just stuff that's happening around him And he's got no idea And then Mm. his later years We've got his ill health Particularly from 1163 Mm. So that rebellion in 1164 He's not actually at the battle He's not doing anything He's not really involved It's local people dealing with it
0: But, you know, it happened under his reign Mm. And he's probably learning These are the really formative years for him He's Mm. learning how to put down these rebellions Yeah
1: Mm. More significant though, is Henry the Second yeah, there's no escaping him clearly he's a superior ruler, and he really, from the heights under David I and Scotland almost half of Britain in effect, mm, yeah, this really powerful king who knights Henry the Second and mm. extracts a promise from Henry to respect Scottish territory yeah It all reverses rather quickly. Scotland's back as a minor power and at the back of of England. So the Chronicle of Melrose relates their meeting at Chester in 1157. Malcolm, the King of the Scots, came to King Henry of England at Chester and became his vassal, in such a manner as his grandfather had been the vassal of the old King Henry, saving all his dignities. So it's not clear if he was doing homage just for the honour of Huntingdon and Tyndale, or if it was for Lothian, which had kind of been given to Scotland by England a while ago, or indeed if it was just general homage recognising Henry is just generally better and bigger. It's very unpopular in Scotland, Mm. who in an instant have lost all of the glories and all the hard work of the previous 20 years. And it is also a major blow in terms of all that territory that they lose, all of the castles, the security, the finances. There's one of the mints Mm. um, that they'd gained, so they had their coinage by taking this territory. All back with Henry and England.
0: Yes, but
1: Mm.
0: I think that... Like we've got to bear in mind all the time, I suppose that how much smaller a power Scotland is compared mm. to England, especially when you 're faced with the Rex factor winner Henry the mm. but david 's time it was it was sort of in, in, exaggerated the success because there was such chaos mm. in England that previously with success was maintaining those borders mm. it wasn't really going further south and the face of a much more powerful enemy. David seems I know I'm arguing against myself from last week. But <laughs> David seems to be in his exaggerated victory taking uh, advantage of all the chaos down south. This in the face of someone like Henry II seems like success to just maintain the border early giving up that land sure. Yeah, I was never going to he was never going to keep that. He knew that. But just to maintain it. I think it's brilliant.
1: I mean, is it brilliant? I mean, what has he actually done here other than he's become king? Henry the brought him down to England and said, all that territory that your grandfather gained, I'm having it back. Yeah. And Malcolm says, all right, but c- can I be knighted? <laughs> <laughs> now, so Malcolm's raised in an anglicised court mm. in David's rule. So you've got very strong notions of chivalry, of knighthood, and he wants to be knighted. Kings are meant to be knighted. Um, so in 1158, this is quite a public snub to his mm. uh, honour and prestige that he still isn't a knight. So it's then a little bit Desperate on Malcolm's part, the fact we see him running off in eleven fifty nine to go and fight for Henry in Toulouse, Mm. just desperate to get his knighthood. He
0: definitely didn't have an option, though. Did he imagine if he said no? I've I've got loads of stuff to
1: do, you know. Well, but I mean, we've got a king of Scotland, desperate just to get these little tidbits from the king of England, going off and fighting in a.
0: We had the who was the previous king who
1: fought? We had Alexander having to come and fight uh, in Wales. Fight in Wales. Though so he did get a marriage out of that. He got, he got his knighthood, mm. though. He did get, he did up get his though. knighthood. Yeah. Um, now, panning for the Toulouse campaign, Henry called upon the forces of Normandy, England, Aquitaine, and other provinces which are subject to him. Yeah. So Scotland is in that asterisk, other yeah. provinces. Yeah. So that's quite reduced, again, from David mm. as this massive sort of power of Northern Britain. Yeah. And now other provinces. Um, it wasn't a particularly successful campaign on Henry's part, but, as you say, he does get knighted at the hey. end of it. And this is how he gets welcomed, according to John of Fordham, when he comes back. King Malcolm, though against the will of many of his great men, was with Henry in this expedition. At length, the Scottish lords, seeing their king's too great intimacy and friendship with Henry, king of England, were sore troubled, and all Scotland with them for they feared this intimacy had shame and disgrace in store for them. Then at Woodstock in 1163, after Malcolm's had a couple of, those couple of marriage alliances, success in Galloway, he's maybe starting to feel like, you yeah. know, things are looking up. I'm, yeah. I'm my own man now. He's brought down to Woodstock, wherever that is, um, has to do homage, has to hand over his younger brother and various other young noblemen as hostages. So this is really full on, you know, under the foot. Of yeah. the King of England now. It's not even just an agreement of territory or anything like that. Henry is properly establishing himself as Lord over them. But he's made those alliances on the continent. But they, That's good. But they're quite minor powers, really, Brittany and Holland. They're not actually mm. any... Compared to Henry the Second, who's King Boss. of England. He's got Normandy, he's got Aquitaine, he's got all the left of France. He's yeah. worrying about he's, Brittany. He's definitely top doc. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I don't... Yeah... And he's probably following in the vein of sort of like Athelstan and Edgar before, this almost like a sense of British imperialism. Mm. So he wants to establish himself fully as primary among all British princes. Mm. So he's got ceremonies at Chester and Woodstock, and at Woodstock you also have the Welsh princes who come along. Oh, right, and you have yeah. to do homage as well. Yeah. So they're probably quite theatrical displays of power mm. and extravagance on Henry's part, designed to elevate him and diminish all of the others. Now as you say, in... Uh, um malcolm's defense david the first was quite lucky that he'd got the anarchy and also he was supported by henry the first in his early years when he faced a bit of internal Mm. dissent whereas malcolm comes to the king as a boy faces henry the second and you know it's a very different uh, situation and like you said they don't actually lose any of their own territories just the borders as they were before the anarchy
0: yeah i feel like it's he's gone yeah yeah okay Caught, caught us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> caught in the act, red-handed. There you yeah. go, you
1: know. <laughs> oh, we knew they were yours. Yeah. We've, them been, back. Them we've back.
0: been looking after. Them. Look what I've done over here. You like that? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's the
1: uh, that's how it stands for Malcolm. How are you? Uh...
0: Well, purely on battleliness, mm. it is pretty good. He took every challenger in that was put in front of him, mm. and and sorted it out. Apart from Henry the Second, but they never actually went toe to toe. He puts them all down, puts the whole territory of Galloway under his foot, so mm. secures Scotland a bit further. I am going to give him
1: a solid five. It's a middling five. I am going to go lower. I am rather less impressed with uh, with Malcolm. I think I think the Henry the Second stuff, although you know, understandable that it was struggling to hold on to that territory and everything, yeah. it is still pretty humiliating. I mean, he's he's about as subject as any King of Scots has previously been. Yeah. Um, maybe, except in a way, except for David I, but David I was like a protégé of Henry I. Yeah, that's the
0: which difference. Which a rather
1: different it? sort of scenario, whereas Malcolm's not getting any benefits from Henry II. It's purely giving everything up that he had before and mm. then just being at Henry's beck and call. I mean, when you think of what he did achieve, mm. and in the the face of... It, and
0: what he was faced with in that he was so young, this guy, when he came to the throne, looked like everything was against him. Remember, we, we are saying, oh, this is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah. But not only mm. did he survive, all of the things were put down without the major backing of the English. Mm. Yeah, well, anyway, we've got our score now, but, but I just, I, yeah. Well, we've got your score. <laughs> oh, have you not done yours? No. Oh, you said, yeah, you said, <laughs> you said you're going lower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well whatever number that is that <laughs> five settle on five <laughs> the big thing going from I think is the Galloway yeah. campaign I think that's the biggie the other ones seem to be quite minor yeah
0: the Galloway thing and the um summerled um naval things
1: mm. although again in the out control. Priest. yeah yeah, a priest, yeah. Uh, a priest called Herbert sort of. <laughs> i'm I'm gonna go three and a half okay I don't think I'd be Intimidated by no Malcolm the Fourth. If I was thinking of, him I think if Henry the Second had fancied it,
0: yeah. But I just think could've... that any king of Scotland faced with Henry the Second is true. He's got. He's just up against the worst possible <laughs> yeah. time in history with the most yeah. most powerful British English king, mm. and the background they had being a the first boy minor king. boy yeah. king. I think props to him. But anyway, we've got eight and a half. Eight and a half for battliness. I would not have predicted that. Scandal.
1: The only thing that I vaguely kind of came across was this suggestion that he relocated people from Murray and moved them around. I mean, my bell didn't ring once. No, and uh, to be honest, that almost certainly didn't happen. Mm. In contrast, we have Malcolm the Maiden. Ah, William of Newburgh uh, described him as a terrestrial angel. Mm. And then John of Forden gave us a little bit more detail on um, his maideniness. He refused to marry, although besought to do so by the earls and all the people of his kingdom, with all manner of entreaties. Before God, he vowed chastity, abiding his whole time in the spotless purity of maidenhood. For though, on the strength of his kingly rank, he could often have transgressed, yet he never did transgress. Why? Apparently his mother was said to have despaired at his celibacy and tried to place a beautiful maiden in his bed to no avail. But... That may be a euphemism for trying to arrange marriage that he didn't want, but... But, so, do we have any reason why he thought this was a good idea? Well, I mean, we do have this sort of Christian chivalric knighthoods and the inspiration of, like, Sir Galahad from the Arthurian legend, who's this pure, and uh, the purest of the pure in terms of the knights. So, contemporary culture is not actually so unusual, perhaps, to have someone who's both kingly and, or both the knight and mm. chaste. I
0: thought that was, um, that was more that it was only... Um, Enjoying the pleasures of the flesh mm. with your wife, or maybe not sex before marriage, or something—not mm. nothing at all. I mean, surely that's that's terrible for his dynasty, yeah, exactly, yeah. But also for for the yeah for the dynasty, for yeah, Scotland.
1: Hence, everybody pushing him. All uh, right, so so are we to assume some level of scandal there? Well, it's—I mean—he's nicknamed the Maiden. He's got, and it's unusual the fact that we've got, it does seem to be a contemporary thing, so it's not that people looking back and saying, ah, oh, well, he didn't, Like a bit like Edward the Confessor saying, ah, oh, well, there were no children, but, ah, oh, it's because he took a vow of chastity yeah. and da-da. but Edward the Confessor married and yeah. had a wife, so presumably they just weren't able to have children for yeah. whatever reason then that it was spun into a, a big positive, whereas Malcolm, all the suggestions are that people were trying to get him to marry and presumably produce an heir, mm. and that he didn't want to.
0: I'm going to give him a little bit of
1: I think... I think... Okay. I I reckon... I wouldn't have expected this given the phrase, um, the spotless purity of maidenhood. Well, I think, you see, this is where... I think
0: maybe... Maybe the old hand-on-the-hip job. Mm. Maybe.
1: But are you you being led by uh, a 21st century, um... Almost certainly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that it's at all scandalous today. But at the time. But yeah,
1: yeah. And that's all I've got.
0: Uh... I mean, there was a very quiet little tinkle there, wasn't there? I'll give him point 0.5 because I'm a revisionist and I'm <laughs> s- sowing some scandal out there. So I'm saying that this vow of chastity nonsense was rubbish. <laughs> he just didn't fancy
1: girls. I'm going to give him a zero. I don't think, uh, I, d- I just don't think there was any bedroom an- action going on whatsoever. <laughs> Malcolm the Maiden gets a 0.5 for Scandal.
0: Subjectivity.
1: We've got a little bit more okay. to go on here, perhaps. Now, first of all, we have uh, a resumption of the old York sovereignty dispute. Oh, the so where, Yeah, the Archbishop of York claims to have uh, dominion over all the mm. bishops of Scotland, and the Scots have been resisting this. In 1159, awkwardly, the Bishop of St Andrews died... Which throws up an issue where he's going to have to get consecrated. And thus, York is going to come along and go, Ah, oh, this uh, is my job. Yeah, yeah. How Mal- that Yeah, Exactly. Malcolm uh, sent the Bishop of Murray to Pope Alexander III in Rome to try and get St Andrew's um, designated as an archbishopric. Yeah. So that it's, again, it's got its seniority. Doesn't get that. Mm. The only concession he gets from the Pope is that Murray be created as a papal legate. So the Bishop of Murray be a creator papal legate, okay. and he uh, advised Malcolm to appoint uh, the Bishop of Murray as the Bishop of St Andrews, but Malcolm decides not to bother with this uh, because it would create someone too powerful. Is that- well, and also I think he just was like, no, you Failed. Know, so yeah. yeah, do yeah. what I want. <laughs> So instead, uh, he had a new man consecrated in first in Glasgow and later in St. Uh, Andrews in 1165 and with specific papal authority. So even though the Pope hasn't agreed to make them archbishops, he has agreed that they can become bishops without having to bow down to York. Yes. Okay, so that's sort of a middle ground he's got yeah. so far. Yeah. So he's been able to maintain that, mm. keeping York at a distance, but without yet being able to get a firm resolution to the problem he does have a follow david I with religious patronage um Schoon abbey apparently had had a rather devastating fire so he refounds it again mm. as an abbey confirms old and adds new gifts to it and also gave them an abbot which is nice
0: oh that's totally nice
1: can yeah. imagine unwrapping that oh it's an abbot oh <laughs> hello <laughs> founded a new uh, cistercian abbey uh cooper angus um, and he also, it, some have suggested that he founded Scotland's largest medieval hospital, which is called Sutra. This is better subjectivity. Though uh, other historians suggest that he probably didn't. He's been out it. For a <laughs> but he made gifts to it, so he may have patronised it, but he probably uh, okay. wasn't the one that actually first set it up. Right, that's for sure. nevertheless, it's there. Yeah. It's on the record now. Um, and his mother also played a very prominent role at court, and apparently was quite important in expanding again continental religious orders, and particularly female monasticism. Good. Malcolm perhaps wasn't interested, but we do at least now have some nuns on the scene. Hey. So if any future Scottish monarchs want to. We've uh, got some
0: scandal exactly. coming
1: up. And there's some good stuff in governance. Um, he creates new barons and knights in the Clyde, um, so sort of entrepreneurs and Flemish knights. Also new barons in Fife and Murray, so he's continuing that sort of feudalism that mm. David had. I uh, done quite a lot with. It's the first time, apparently, that Kingdom of Scots or Kingdom of Scotland, as phrases, are used by the King's Scribes in charters.
0: Right. So that hasn't been the case before. No. Oh, how odd.
1: So that's, that's now a thing. Establishes new sheriffdoms at Cryald and in Edinburgh, Forfar, Lanark and Linlithgow, and a new justicia at justitia uh, in Lothian, mm. and a few new burrs. Oh, lovely. So it's kind of continuing, like burr, yeah. continuing the work that David had been Just doing. Just sort
0: of, um... Uh, Nation building Isn't it Making yeah. it all More solid
1: Exactly And there's some Contemporary praise okay. The Annals of Ulster With regard to charity And hospitality And piety The best Christian Of the Giles To the east of the sea mm. And John of Fordun, Yes Typically understated Yeah He shone like a heavenly star In the <laughs> midst of his people He harmed none But wished men well Was pleasant to all And displeased none and was very devout towards God. He loves comparing kings to stars, doesn't he? Let's <laughs> just hope he doesn't have a shiny tail. Indeed. Against Malcolm IV, yeah. the fact that he has four rebellions, which is on average about one every three or four years, <laughs> mm. isn't amazing as a subject. Not amazing, but pretty standard. The Chronicle of Holyrood um, on the First Rebellion said that Summerled and his nephews, having allied themselves with very many men, rebelled against King Malcolm and perturbed and disquieted Scotland in great part. Yeah. Nobody likes to be uh, perturbed and disquieted. No, that's the opposite of subjectivity, isn't it? Exactly. Perturbability. And uh, his relationship with Henry the Second was very unpopular. Mm. After Chester, John of Fordon, who was so praiseful of him, uh, admits that uh, on account of this, the homage, the submission, the estates of all Scotland were with one accord roused to stifled murmuring and hatred against their lord the king and his councillors. Mm. So people aren't happy with yeah. this deal that he's done. They aren't happy with their suddenly secondary status after all the glories that they'd had before. Even John Fordon acknowledged that uh, his involvement in the Toulouse campaign was unpopular, and this may have been exacerbated by the fact that he apparently was quite slow to return to Scotland after it had finished. So well, he would be, I suppose, going probably. to France the first time. <laughs> but he was probably enjoying the glitter and glamour of Henry's Angevin Court yeah. over there and didn't really fancy yeah. coming back to Scotland. Um and at least 1160, that rebellion, would have been a direct result of the subservience to Henry II. Maybe 1163 and Murray, they were taking advantage. Maybe someone led in 1164. Even if it wasn't because they were angry, at the very least, demonstrated weakness on Malcolm's part. And other people thought, ah, oh, yeah, we can take something off this guy. But
0: being a subject, overall
1: good. I mean, those who are power-hungry, you know, they're always
0: after a bit, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, John of Fordon. Very wise chap. He said, well, I can't believe he can say that after then saying, <laughs> yes. Yeah, how everyone loved him. Everybody
1: loved him, although nobody really liked uh, <laughs> him. Yeah. And we do have some contemporary criticism. The Verse Chronicles in uh, 1165 Firm peace did not yet sufficiently flourish in the kingdom. John Forden admitted that he had many trials and reproaches to bear at the hands of the dwellers in his kingdom. <laughs> the dwellers? <Yes. laughs> Brilliant. The trolls or hobbits. Or something. And the uh, jester Analia. He quite neglected the care as well as governance of his kingdom. Wherefore, he was so hated by all the common people that William, the elder of his brothers, who had always been on bad terms with the English, and their lasting foe, for as much as they had taken away his patrimony, the Earldom of Northumbria to wit, was by them appointed warden of the whole kingdom against the king's will.
0: This is a man, though, who's openly calling himself a jester. <laughs> I don't think we can take him seriously.
1: Perhaps, ah oh. rather than j with a G. Oh, okay. Um, So this is saying that he's really, really unpopular. He neglects the care of the kingdom, perhaps looking to something like Toulouse and Mm -hmm. going down to England all the time to have to pay homage to Henry. This is suggesting that his brother William actually takes over as king, in effect.
0: Well, I mean, that's right. You've got to leave someone in charge, I mean.
1: I mean, this may also reflect his ill health in his final years, perhaps. His brother had to step in and take over. But again, it's, you know, an absent king in the medieval society. isn't great for justice and law and order and stability, so we see... Mm all of these rebellions. We see him having to sort all these problems out. We see the earls being unhappy with what's going on. It's not a happy, harmonious place.
0: But also, given that he doesn't have any children,
1: mm. giving his
0: brother some skills in governance might be a good idea.
1: Against the king's will.
0: Oh, is it? <laughs> yes. Oh, I
1: missed that bit. So the suggestion is that both David was like, look, we've had enough of you. We're just going to let him sort things out. Yeah. You just sit there and be ill. Okay. You and your brother can take it over. Mm. So we did have some good stuff, but we do also have some yeah not so good stuff so how do you think how does this one balance out uh, do you think well it might be because
0: as you say we've got some more m- meaty stuff recorded mm. um it seems like they all do a bit yeah. of stuff for the church whatever I do like the nuns mm. I do like the hospital whether you just yeah. gave it a load of syringes or <laughs> built it or whatever um i think that yeah there's overall there's a good amount of nation building mm. i feel like the rebellions would have happened anyway mm. um i can't think of i mean i know there's been somewhere there have been long periods of 20 years without yeah. any trouble but there's always been the uprising i think via a subject rather than a noble mm. i'd have thought it's all right a mm. couple of rebellions but say, not not major things were put down. Mm. It's not good. I mm. mean, there's nothing major there.
1: Three. I was tempted to go a little bit higher. Because I think, actually, given the stuff that was set against him, yeah, it's actually not so bad, particularly when we see what he looks like on the card, <laughs> yeah, his yeah. nickname and the fact that he's so yeah. young when he starts. But you've got all the rebellions that he's having to be dealing with. And all that sort of stuff mm. has gone on. We've got the subservience to England, which is still a little bit of an issue and mm. things like this. Suppose, yeah, it's, it's debatable depending on which aspect you choose. To yeah, you can
0: well. look at it from either way, can't you? Because mm. the subservience to the King of England, what else could he have done?
1: I guess it's just the manner of it and the um, level mm. to it. I mean, like Malcolm III used to have to do it to William the Conqueror and William Rufus, but his tactic was always to have a meeting, say, absolutely, your honour, fair enough, back I go. And as soon as they left the kingdom, he just... Raid Northern England. Yeah, yeah. I just. I he think he wouldn't join them when they left the kingdom. He'd be invading the north. Yeah, and that's uh, maybe the difference. They,
0: uh that they would actually? But I think if you if you imagine doing that, as you say, don't <laughs> rile Henry the yeah. hmm.
1: But I think for subjectivity, it's not too bad. Um, but it isn't positively good.
0: Yeah, that's what
1: I'm facing. So I'm going to well. give him a four and a half. It's almost. Mm. Almost okay, but it's not quite.
0: I'm quite surprised at how low I went there, actually. Mm. I'll go three
1: and a half. Okay. Mm. Uh, So that's an eight for subjectivity. Mm.
0: Longevity.
1: Well, he rules from uh, the 24th of May, 1153, to the 9th of December, 1165. So that's 12 and a half years. Which, um, now, we said before, we still haven't had a chance to actually discuss this yet. We're thinking of redoing the mm. scoring system for this. But at the moment, in the patiometer, that gives him a score of 4.34 for longevity.
0: Where does that put
1: him? Low down. Very lo- Really? Not at the bottom, but. Because there were some really short ones. Wasn't there? Yeah, but I mean, I think in the context of. In the bottom half? Yes. 4.34 is not a high score out of 20. Oh, yes. In the context of the series, that is poor, oh, yes. yes. Yeah.
0: Dynasty! Not the program.
1: Well, Malcolm the Maiden. Mm. He uh, doesn't have any children. Apparently his mother was arranging a marriage towards the end. That was never, never going to be a good score for Malcolm. Zero for Dynasty, which gives him a total score of 21.34. And where is that? It's 14th at the moment.
0: 14 out of 25. 20. Well, just so just under just halfway, just under
1: middling, yeah. So
0: we're, we're <laughs> about a traditional West Ham
1: finishing spot. Well, for the team currently in uh, sixth position, y- yeah. challenging <laughs> for the Champions League. <laughs> Tra- traditional though, I don't believe <laughs> this is like
0: a, this is. I feel like for West Ham, this is their their Scottish Lancashire. <laughs> yes, exactly. After a while, go oh what, West Ham, yeah, yeah, you, you have it back. It.
1: <laughs> so uh, it's not a very high score. It's not the lowest score either, but. Does he have that certain something, that lasting legacy, that great achievement and star quality that we call Rex Factor? Can I say something right away? Mm.
0: All the way through, I've been thinking that, you know, this is what it was about. When we first started, the idea was to shine a light on Mm. the lesser known kings. Hashtag remember Ith. Hashtag. Um, And I think he did enough, given what he was faced with. Until your introduction, though, when you said, Does he have that certain something? Does he have the special (laughs) event? And I'm not sure he has a certain something. I that is not to say (laughs) that I don't think he is brilliant. I really like him, Hmm. given what, given, yeah. So, at a young age, Hmm. didn't have the backing of all the you know, like three or four predecessors of a powerful person, first minority, and not only did he survive that put down all the rebellions in the face of an enemy like Henry II hmm. maintain those borders alright gave up a load of stuff that wasn't really theirs anyway and we'd never hold on to uh, and all of this crippling disease and with a name like the Maiden.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I oh really guys, like This him. is really not making it easy for me to look <laughs> impressive when I go to war. Exactly.
0: Enter Malcolm the... Shh, don't say the next bit. <laughs> um, I, think, I think clearly it's no, isn't it? But I really,
1: I really wanted to say yes. <laughs> 0.5. <laughs> yeah, half Rex. Um, I was surprised by how well you, you took too much. I mean, I suppose it's... I think i guess the big thing with him and i guess the thing for me obviously when i do these is that none of it's a surprise once i come mm-hmm. to record it yeah whereas for you once it everything that it started with and the card and the yeah. name and the beginnings he's one of those unknowns where you know maybe if he'd been healthy if he'd lived longer if he would mm. had the longevity of his grandfather
0: and didn't have any of the second there
1: if malcolm Fourth had more opportunity maybe he would have developed and
0: I Being feel so had
1: more of a legacy, whereas actually he doesn't really have that much he can really point to and say, oh, I did that." And yeah, and he had the he had all of this early part of his reign, which
0: turned out to be his entire reign, yeah. just securing internal stuff as usual. And he did. I mean, it was if, as you say, if he'd then gone on to rule as long as David did. Mm. From the age of David. Um, he could have spent that time really consolidating, perhaps, but you know, we'll never know. But I kind of just one one for the wimps out there, one for the, <laughs> for, the for the ninety pound weaklings.
1: Wimpiness. <laughs> Yay. Ultimately though, actually, I think the biggest thing maybe against him is like the early rain and the successes against the rebellions. I just wonder whether actually the fact that Malcolm is able to become king, survive and see it all off is that actually just the legacy of David the 1st. Yeah. David had done enough just to see Scotland through that awkward patch. But so it was what comes next was when it's the chance for him to do something. Mm. So and that's when he dies and it's yeah, his yeah. brother who then takes on the challenge. I see what of, you mean.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I see what you mean that actually he was just perhaps reaping benefits.
1: I just like him, (laughs) soft spot. Yeah. Anyway, I'm in no as well. Mm. Obviously, so it means that Malcolm the Fourth does not have the Rex factor, but not perhaps as uh, as bad as you might have expected at the start of the episode. Anyway, you can let us know what you think about this. uh, Get in touch with us on our various social media. Follow us and send us a message on Twitter at rexfactorpod. Like us on Facebook and get uh, involved in the discussions there. Email rexfactorpodcast at hotmail.com. And uh, go on to rexfactor.wordpress.com. Read the blogs and you complete the polls uh, that we've got on there saying whether or not you agree with our various decisions in this series and the first series for England if you'd like to support the podcast you can leave a review on itunes that's very helpful to us if you'd like to support us financially it is of course a free podcast but if you'd like to voluntarily donate that would be very very lovely as well helps us improve our sound quality and various other things as you can hear indeed uh so you can do a one-off donation via paypal on the website uh on our website We've got various links thank you to cheryl woodruff who has donated since last we spoke thank you cheryl and you can also do crowdfunding. So click "Be My Patron" and uh, on our websites to make a monthly donation, and you get various rewards: uh, one dollar for a mention, uh, one dollar a month for a mention, two dollars a month for a comment being read out on the mm-hmm. podcast, five dollars a month for a mug. Coming soon. coming soon I know we said that for about six months but they really are $10 uh, for a blog on the subject of your choice and $15 a month you can commission a special podcast episode that we will do for you and we have a couple coming up yeah we've got some good ones coming up we just released recently the William the Marshall, Marshall. special episode um, legendary medieval knight in the Plantagenet period this period in fact that we're in now is yeah. William Marshall can we trail period. the next one uh oh yes yeah, so the next one we're going to do is uh well Ali maybe you should uh, let us know about this what can you remember about it
0: what one is it your dissertation yeah ah yes um i can
1: read it for the first time in but it, 12, 13 years basically it involves edward the here you know, the fourth crusade and the welsh castles castles <laughs> but in a turn of events we might see things put on their head ooh um, so that's to look forward to We've got various other ones The pipeline as well So if you'd like your choice um, Then $15 a month Then you get to commission it And everybody gets to buy those um, A mere $2 for William the Marshal Or our previous episode On the Battle of Waterloo And we've got various new Privy councillors Since last time we oh, spoke Oh brilliant So arise to the following Thomas Thompson Ali Lou Sheila Lofthouse Joshua Spence Lindsay Noble Gareth Brooke And Robert Boyle Lovely stuff You guys are legends One and all And uh, I've um, I didn't have time Unfortunately I was going to put Some more um, messages Together to read out for people Unfortunately I've got to Gather them all together So I'll do that later But we've got this one From Lindsay One of our new Privy councillors, Mm. Who pointed out A bit of an error In a recent episode On my part She says "Um, The thing I noticed As I was catching up This week Is that you mentioned At the beginning Of Lullock's episode That he's the first Scottish monarch For whom you can name Both the father And the mother Mm. Because they never Used to bother To say who Oh yeah the kings were married to. This seems incorrect because in Duncan the First episode, you discuss how his grandfather, Malcolm II, had married his daughter, last to the lay abbot of Dunkeld, thus producing Duncan I. This would imply that we know who the mother of Duncan I was. And as he was king before Lullock, he would be the first Scottish ruler whose mother is known.
0: Well, excellent
1: Rex fact spotting. Bang, you bang are bang to rights there. Great, great uh, Rex fan to have aboard. And apparently, she's done her family tree and has uh, traced her descent from Kenneth McAlpin. So she says she uh, just didn't want her dear dear thirtieth great grandmother to be denied the recognition she deserves for being the first Scottish royal woman anyone decided to bother writing down. Yeah, quite right. Mm-hmm. Quite right so i uh, have more of the messages in uh, future episodes please do send them in well and also like a, if you are um sorry if yeah. You, yeah if you
0: don't want to support us financially of course this is a free podcast but yep, just yep. send us a message it's really exactly. lovely to hear from you yeah. and just having you listen is great reason to do it so yeah.
1: get in touch and we'll um we'll have a little natter very well said indeed so that's it uh for me so next time we will be doing malcolm the fourth's brother uh, of don't course, know, spoiler alert. Uh, William, but until then, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio!